Good to be with you. I'm praying that you are well. Uh, today is actually day seven um, of our season of 21 days of prayer. And so I hope that you're, uh, you're finding that time to be fruitful and this season to be fruitful and that you are choosing to make prayer a priority uh, in this season of your life. I want to say this as well. I think uh, it's right about this time, maybe midpoint this week, where I believe it starts to get a little bit more difficult uh, to keep going with all of this. You know, maybe uh, life gets a little bit busier. Uh, maybe a distraction creeps in. Uh, maybe you're, you're fasting right now. Uh, you're in a season of fasting right now like me. And it's about this point that you're growing a little tired, uh, a little weary of this. But let me just encourage you uh, to keep going. Uh, keep pushing through. Uh, take it one day at a time. And even if you missed a day or two, uh, just pick it back up. Uh, just jump uh, right back into this starting today. Or, or maybe you're, you're, you're watching here and, um, you know, you had good intentions. You wanted to pray and take part of this. But, you know, just again, life, life creeps in and maybe there's distractions or maybe you face some discouragement. And so you haven't even started praying at all. I just want to say to you, okay, no, no problem. Then today, uh, make today uh, day one of praying with us as a gathering. And again, if you're new with us, uh, let me just say to you, feel free. Uh, you're more than welcome. Feel free to join us on this journey as well. Um, we have a, a prayer journal uh, that was sent out to our community uh, last week. Uh, you can access that through our Facebook page, um, through our Instagram account, or you could just head right over directly to our website, freedomvillage.church, um, and access that prayer journal and that prayer guide to get you through these next, I guess, 14 or so days now that are left. And so, again, just feel free to join us uh, in this season of prayer. And then I also just want to say thank you uh, to all, uh, all of those uh, who were able to make it to our time of corporate prayer uh, this past Monday night. I think there are around 50 of us there or so, uh, but it was just, a, a, just great to see all of you, even just for a short time. Um, we're actually doing this again, uh, this time of corporate prayer, short time of corporate prayer, uh, tomorrow night, 7.30 to 8 o'clock. And so let's see, uh, I'm hoping to see even more people there in our community. Uh, so let me encourage you, put it in your schedule, make it a priority this week. Let's pray together and encourage each other through prayer. All right. Well, today we're picking up uh, uh, right where we ended last week. And so if you have a Bible, turn with me to the book of Daniel. We're going to be in chapter 9 again today. Daniel chapter 9. Last week we started talking about Daniel, who is a great man of prayer. And in Daniel chapter 9, we actually have the privilege of looking inside of one of Daniel's prayers to God. As we looked at this prayer, one of the things that was said is that while this prayer isn't uh, outwardly prescriptive, it has become a model for us on how we should pray. It's actually become a model for us on how to become people of prayer. And here's why this is important. That's why we said this week, this is why it's important to become people of prayer um, here's why we're looking into the topic of prayer, um, how to become a church who prioritizes prayer. Because if we are a prayerless people, 
if we're a prayerless church, we will never experience all that God has for us uh, in this life. We will never, you will never experience the fullness of God in your life, all that he has for you, the fullness of his joy, his peace, his grace, his mercy, his love, on and on and on. You'll never experience the fullness of it. And if we want to see God move and do things among us in this gathering that only he can do, we need to become people of prayer. And yet, uh, even though I think uh, a lot of us believe that, we, we know that to be true, we might have even experienced that in our lives, the truth is often uh, you and I don't pray. Uh, we don't know what to pray. Uh, we don't know why we pray. We don't even know how to pray. And so that's why we're taking the time in the season while we're spending our time to teach on prayer, but also to uh, put prayer into practice by spending 21 days of intentional prayer together as, as a gathering. Well, back to Daniel. Uh, we opened up chapter 9 last week, and through the first three verses of that chapter, we uncovered a few different insights about prayer uh, to help us become people of prayer. And the first thing that we discussed uh, last, last week from this text was this, that prayer prayer is a response to the scriptures. It's a response to the scriptures. It's a response uh, to the word of God. Or you could say it this way, our prayers are, are actually generated by the scriptures. You and I, we go to God primarily as a response to his word acting upon our hearts. And so day by day, week by week, as you, as you study God's word, as you soak up, absorb, as you eat, feast on the word of God, what you'll find is actually the content to your prayers. So maybe you're here today, you're struggling to pray, you're struggling uh, to know what to pray. Start by going to God's word. That's my encouragement. Start by going to the word of God. And if you're a person who, who never knows what to pray, uh, maybe it's because you're not spending enough time uh, in his word. Prayer is a response to the scriptures. Well, then second, here's what we said about prayer. Number two is prayer is rooted in God's will. It's rooted in God's will. We discussed that last week in verse two of chapter nine. We read that Daniel learns. He he uncovers the truth that the captivity of his people will last, it says from Jeremiah, 70 years. That's God's plan. We know that Jerusalem had been uh, destroyed. Some of the Israelites were, were taken from their home and brought into captivity, into Babylon. And at the time that Daniel is writing here, Daniel 9, we also know that the Persians, the Medo-Persian Empire, they're in charge. And then Daniel, he's reading through the scriptures, he's reading through Jeremiah, and he discovers that the time is coming very soon, very soon, maybe three years, five years or so, where God will deliver his people and allow them to go back to Jerusalem. Daniel reads that, 
And then that reality leads him to pray that God will do what he promised. He prays, God, do your will, uh, rescue us, uh, deliver us. And certainly we know that the Lord's prayer uh, teaches us to, to pray this, well, uh, this way as well, right? What does Jesus teach us? It says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your what? Your will be done. Your will be done. And so what was said was that prayer, prayer, good to know this, prayer is not about changing the mind of God or changing his will, but prayer is about aligning our hearts with his will, understanding and trusting that he has everything under control. He's sovereign and that he will work everything out for our good. And then finally, we wrapped up last week with the idea that prayer should be purposeful and passionate. That's what we said last week. Prayer should be purposeful and passionate. We read in verse 3 that Daniel looked to God, it says, that he, he turned to the Lord. And then it says, with fasting, dressed in sackcloth, and, and sitting in ashes, Daniel began to pray intensely. He was praying with purpose, praying with passion. And what we saw through other scriptures like Luke 11 is that actually God responds to these types of prayers. God responds to our fervency. He responds to Daniel's heartfelt prayer. God answers Daniel. And of course, we know God always answers us. Sometimes God will answer in the way that you and I desire. That happens at times. I'm sure we can all give testimony to that. But other times when we pray, uh, things don't change. Things don't go the way that we hope they would go. But what's important to remember when it comes to prayer is that prayer might not always change your situation, but it will always change you. That was sort of how we wrapped things up, or was a highlight of last week. We said prayer might not change your situation, but it will always change you. It will always change you. Your plans, in other words, might not change the Lord's eternal plans, but they will transform you. And that's the greatest value of prayer. Not what prayer does to God, but what it ultimately does for us. Well, that's where we were last week. And the reason I took a bit more time to recap last week's message just now is because today, today's message is just simply a continuation of last week's sermon. And so we uncovered the first three points on how to become a person of prayer last week from Daniel 9. And my hope today, if time allows, is that we would get through the next three points to this Together, And so let's just consider these three weeks, last week, today, and actually next week, just one really long sermon. That's sort of the layout here. Uh, So let's just jump right back into our text now. We're going to start by focusing our time together on verse 4 of Daniel 9. Verse 4. But let me read verses 1 through 3 again, just so this is all in context, okay? So this is what Daniel writes. Daniel chapter 9, starting in verse 1. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of 
the Lord, given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. Now listen, listen here. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We'll pause right there. Um, There's a lot here in verse 4 that I believe helps us to become a people of prayer. And again, this is our first point for today, but it's really point four from continuing uh, with last week. And so here's what we see. Number four, which is point one today, prayer is, number four, realized in our humility. If you're taking notes. Number four, prayer, prayer, it is realized in our humility. We see here Daniel first recognizing and acknowledging who God is. And we're going to talk about God's character uh, much more next week. But what we see here is it's that it's this realization that sort of jump starts, kick starts his response, Daniel's response and prayer. And in many ways, this is central actually to all true prayer. This is the, the proper place to start. You might even write this down. But one of the keys to becoming a person of prayer is understanding uh, it's the realization that you and I shouldn't be able to pray. You might want to write that down. We, we, I, maybe you say personal, I shouldn't be able to pray. We shouldn't be able to pray. Listen, you and I don't deserve, we don't deserve to be able to go to God and be in his presence in prayer. You see here, Daniel recognizes. He he acknowledges that God is great, that God is awesome, that that God is all-loving. And that drives him into into a a place of of self-denial here and and deep humility. It, it, It drives, this reality of who God is, it drives Daniel to his knees. And what we're going to see in just a minute is that Daniel here, because of this reality, just begins to confess his brokenness and his shortcomings based on the realization of who God is. Let's, let's though contrast that really quickly with another person in Scripture, just so you can see the different approaches to prayer. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells us a story Uh, It's a parable, and he starts by talking about this religious man. He's a Pharisee. This Pharisee, Jesus says, he, he, it's the time of day to pray, and so he goes up to the temple, and, and this is what he says to God. I'm just paraphrasing this. He says something like this, God, God, this religious man, God, thank you, thank you that I'm not sinful like these other men around me. Uh, I fast, I, I tithe, I continually do the right thing, right? I follow the law, right, to the T. That's how he prays. That's the posture, that's his heart in prayer. And what do we see happen there? 
Well, what we see is that actually God doesn't even acknowledge him. He doesn't even hear that prayer. But in our text, Daniel comes to God. He he approaches the Lord in humility. Because humility is the only position from which true prayer comes from. The only one. Remember uh, the, the prophet Isaiah there's a, there's a time, if you read through Isaiah, specifically Isaiah chapter 6, he saw God high and lifted up, it says. And when he, when he sees God high and lifted up, how does he respond? He says this, he says, Woe is me, woe is me, for I am, he says, undone. In other words, I am totally uh, broken, just, just empty. Woe is me. Right? There's just total humility. Or, or how, about, how about going back to Luke 18, which we, which we just talked about. Again, we, we, at first we looked at this Pharisee who's praying in the temple, but Jesus gives us another example. There's the Pharisee that God doesn't hear, but there's also a, another person there. It's a tax collector. Um, Jesus says it's a tax collector. And in that culture, first century Judaism, you have to understand there's the sinners, right? There's the outcasts. But then even below that, there's the tax collector. They're the worst of the worst. They're, they're beyond being sinful to the Jewish person. Uh, they're traitors, actually. But listen to how this tax collector, how he prays. What we see here in the text, Luke 18, is that he wouldn't even look up to heaven. right? He, he goes to the temple and He's trying to, to, to approach God in prayer, and he, he, doesn't even, he doesn't even believe he's worthy to, to fix his eyes up towards the heavenlies. Instead, what does he do? It says there that he actually he beats his chest, it says. He pounds on his chest, and he cries out, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You see, when we see the Lord, when we see God, when we encounter him, experience him, when we understand who he is, we are brought into a place of humility. And it's humility that leads us to a life of effective prayers. God hears, God listens to the prayers of the humble. Listen again uh, to Psalm 10, which we uh, read earlier this morning uh, after the first song of of our worship set. We read Psalm 10, but let me just point out one verse to you here. This is what it says. It says, O Lord, O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. By the way, that word there, afflicted, it can also be translated to humble as well. It says, oh Lord, you, you hear the desire of the humble. You will strengthen their hearts. You will, what's it say? You will incline your ear. Incline your ear. In other words, God listens. God gives his ear to the humble. True and authentic prayer then, becoming a person of prayer, is realized it's recognized in our humility. 
Well, moving along, our second point for today, which is actually, again, number five in all of this. Number five, we want to become a person of prayer, something we should know about prayer. Number five, prayer is both individual and collective. Prayer is both individual and collective. Uh, Notice again in verse four what's said there. Daniel says, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. Okay, he starts there. And so Daniel here, he starts with himself there. But notice as we work through the text, he he doesn't stop there. We're going to move through this rather quickly. Uh, These verses won't be on the screen just for the sake of time. But I think you'll get my point as you listen. And again, hopefully you have a copy of God's word uh, with you so you can just see this um, as we move through these verses. But look at what it says starting in verse 5. Starting in verse 5, he says this, We, we have sinned and done wrong. Or verse 6, he says, We have not listened. Or look at verse 7. You have scattered us, because why? He says, because of our unfaithfulness. Or verse 8, we have sinned against you. Keep going. Verse 9, 10, and 11. We, we too, we have rebelled. We have not obeyed. He says, all Israel has transgressed and turned away, refusing to obey you. And you see this pattern, this pattern from Daniel all the way down through verse 16. Daniel's prayer is collective here. It's collective. And that's a really big part of prayer, actually. Understanding that the focus of our prayers certainly is is partly on us, but it's also on and about others as well. Daniel humbly went to the Lord, put aside his own agenda, uh, sought God's will, and then what does he do? He pours out his heart on behalf of others. See, here's what prayer does. True prayer connects the one praying with the people being prayed for. Daniel here, Daniel connects himself with others. The nation of Israel's sin becomes his sin. It's his sin. And certainly we see this uh, time and time, time after time with the Israelites, with the nation of Israel, right? They, they absolutely saw themselves not as much as individuals, right? But as being part of the whole. Right? Actually, it's a little bit similar to how I think Korean society works, right? It's much more collective rather than individualistic. But this, this should be true okay, of all of those who are part of the body of Christ as well. It should be more about us and less about me. Because we are one body. That's what we learn, right, in 1 Corinthians 12. We are one body, the body of Christ. And when, when one member hurts, when, when one member suffers, the whole body suffers. And when, when one uh, member rejoices, the whole body rejoices. And listen, I, I think especially coming from a Western 
context. I, I, I know this might sound strange, but, but what this also means is that, that we, that, that I actually uh, have to be identified in the sins of this local church as well. Or the church universal as well. When one member falls, we all fall. I have to encompass myself in that reality. But again, that's so hard. That's so hard to do in such an individualistic uh, culture, isn't it? Right? Prayer is so often marked by me, myself, and I. But this is not God's desire for his people. It's not God's desire for his church. And we are actually missing the mark and purpose of prayer if our prayers are only centered around ourselves. Our prayers should embrace the needs of the whole body. And Jesus taught us this uh, when he taught the disciples to pray, right? We, we've just previously read just a short uh, portion of the Lord's Prayer. But again, what does he say in the Lord's Prayer? He says, pray like this. He says, our Father, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. Lead us, right? Lead us not into temptation. And so here again, we have Daniel. And Daniel saw, he saw, he, he observed for his own eyes. He saw his people's failures. And so he went to the Lord on behalf of them. But even more amazing to me, just even this week again, just trying to wrap my mind around this prayer and what Daniel does here, it's so amazing. The reality that Daniel included himself in their sins. He included himself in their shortcomings. I encourage you, maybe even later today, uh, if you have the time, to, to read through this prayer again. Just read through this whole prayer in Daniel 9. But what you'll never see from Daniel, you'll never see this from Daniel is this. You'll never see anything like, God, they did this against you. Forgive them. They failed. They sinned. You never see that. No, it was we and it was us. You know, from what we can tell, if you read through the book of Daniel and just learn about his life, from what we can tell is that Daniel was faithful faithful to the Lord. He had resolved, you see this all the way back uh, in in chapter one as a teenager, he had resolved, he had made a a predetermined decision in his heart to consistently and continually follow the Lord. And he does, regardless of the cost, regardless. But despite that, despite that, despite his own life, his own walk, his own faithfulness, Daniel identified himself to his people's sins and their needs. And this is the way, this is actually the way that a healthy body functions. Praying and caring for one another in this way. You know, if we want to pray according to God's word and his will, our prayers need to be marked with me Sorry, with we more than me. Our prayers need to be marked 
with we more than me. In your prayers, pray we, us, not just me, myself, and I. Put that into practice. See how God changes the way that you see people around you, sees our world. Watch how he changes your, your prayer life. And then finally for today, what we learn about prayer from, from Daniel's prayer here in Daniel 9 is this. Number six, number six, which is point three today. Number six, it is strengthened by confession. Prayer is strengthened by our confession. Knowing this, uh, knowing this truth here uh, will help you become not just a person of prayer, but actually, and we're going to just see here in a second, but also a, a person who prays effectively, okay? Prayer is strengthened by confession. Now, we've already seen that Daniel had personally uh, denied and humbled himself in verse 3. But then we're reminded of this again in verse 20. So listen to what our text says here. It says this. Daniel says, while I was speaking and praying, and then look, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my plea before the Lord my God. And then we'll see, you'll see later he answers. But here's what we see even in this text. And again, all throughout this prayer, we see this individual uh, aspect and this community aspect both pictured here. There's a reminder here. My sin, I confessed my sin and I confessed my people's sin. And in light of that, what does Daniel do? Really, this is repentance, right? And this, this, this really, this whole prayer is, is all about confession. It's all about repentance as you read through it, right? Um, Daniel realizes who God is, and he realizes who he is in light of who God is. You could think of it that way. I was thinking about... Um, sort of how to put this in perspective and, and what this is like to pray before this holy God and, and confession and all that. Um, I was thinking about this one time. Uh, I was in, invited uh, to a friend's grandparents' uh, 50th wedding anniversary party. Right? Sort of a big deal. 50th wedding anniversary. Um, there's going to be, you know, food and dancing, renewing of vows, all this stuff. I mean, 50 years being married is a pretty big deal. Um, I was living in California at the time, and so my friend, a um, really good friend of mine, asked me to be, to be her date. Right? She told me uh, it was going to be outdoors, and you know, it's California, like Northern California. It's going to be pretty laid back, pretty chill, and so I should, I should go. And so I went. I made a decision to, to go, right? You can't pass up good free food, right? No one can pass up good free food. So I, I decided to go. Well, I remember uh, that day, the two of us, uh, we get into the car together and we're driving to this party and it was about an hour away. And when we got there, got out of the car and, and, and got up to like the front steps. Um, and I remember uh, she said this to me. I'll never forget this. She said, oh, um, by the way, you can change in my grandparents' guest room. She said that to me. Oh, by the way, you can change in my, my grandparents' guest room. And to that, I said, um, what, are you, what are you talking about? 
Uh, you see, when I had heard outdoors, right, outdoor party, laid back, it's California, right? And I'm a New Yorker. I lived in California for a short time in my life. But for me, laid back, right, it meant uh, a little dressy, but it meant T-shirt, jeans, and a blazer, right? So it's like, oh, I'm look cool with my sunglasses, you know, nice jeans, T-shirt. I forget, some uh, designer T-shirt, I don't know. Back then, I was lost, um, but, 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 you know, had a little, you know, black blazer on. I'm like, oh, we're good. Right. Uh, but no, right. She assumed, uh, that by telling me that, um, I'm inviting you to a 50th wedding anniversary party, right. That that was enough of a clue that I should be dressed up. Like at least throw on, have the, have the decency to at least throw on a collared shirt. Of course I didn't have one and I'm a pretty big guy. Um, so there's no options unless I want to drive an hour back to my home and an hour back, which wasn't going to happen. So long story short, uh, I was very out of place that day. Uh, I didn't look like I belonged at that party at all. Uh, you could say it this way. I wasn't properly dressed. I was so out of place. I'll never forget that. But you know, that is very much, in a lot of ways, that's the essence of what confession in prayer is it's going into the presence of a of a mighty um, a holy God, a God that is to be feared, with a recognition that you are not, I am not properly suited, I am not fit to be there. It's recognizing that that you and I fall exponentially short of God's standard. We don't deserve to be in his presence, but listen, if not, if not for the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so when God is at work in your life, if he's truly at work in your life, repentance and confession will just become the norm. In fact, uh, you will find the deeper your love for God, the deeper your walk with God, the higher your standard of holiness will become and the greater your sense of sinfulness will be. I mean, think of a person like uh, King David, right? David was fairly mature in his faith Um, But what does he do, right? We know he takes Uriah's wife Bathsheba and then basically had Uriah killed, put to death. But even though he did that, we know that what happened? It broke him, right? It broke him. Read Psalm 32. Write that down. Read Psalm 32. Read Psalm 51. David was crushed. Totally crushed. Why? Because David had been walking with God. David trusted God. He loved the Lord. Right? He, was, he was even at that time a man after God's own heart, but still, but yet he failed. And so, as a result, he begged God, begged God in his despair, begged God to rid him of sin in his life. And we see in David's life, he grew actually to hate his sin, to hate sin, because God hates sin. Or what about the Apostle Paul? Another great example we have in the New Testament. We see in his, this in his life as well. In Romans chapter 7, 
we learn that when, when Paul really and truly understood the law of God, and when he understood what the standards of God really were, it was then, then, that we see his sin just absolutely tearing him apart. Look at verse 21 through 25 of Romans chapter 7. This is what the Apostle Paul writes. He says this, So I find, I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I, I delight. He loves. I love. Delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. And listen to what he says. What a wretched man I am. Who will, this is the Apostle Paul, who wrote half of the New Testament. What what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thank goodness for this line. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Confession is always part of a healthy prayer life. And therefore, confession should be a daily part of the life of a godly man and a godly woman. And I I really believe, I think, this is something that that we need to, to just really learn. Even myself, even myself, I think most of us don't truly live a life of confession. We don't deal with our sin on a daily basis, right? We tend to wait. We tend to wait until disaster comes, right? Or, or, or maybe we know we're about to lose our job, or we don't know the direction of our life, or uh, we don't know what's going wrong. Like, why is everything, all these bad things happening to me? And then all of a sudden, we get very confessional, don't we? <laughs> when we want things to change, we want things to go our way, then, then, and, and typically only then, do we get on our knees and search our hearts and, and repent, But the nearer you get to God, the nearer you get to God, the closer your relationship with him, the more and more you will and should be realizing your need for confession. The more and more uh, you will learn to hate your sin. That's what happens when you get close to the Lord. We need to be people who live lives of repentance and confession if we're going to see God move in and through our lives and in and through this church. If you remember last week, I read for us and explained a little bit about James chapter 5, verse 16 to us, where it says this. It says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Remember? But let's not forget what it says right before that as well. Look at what it says. James chapter 5, verse 16. 
It says this. Therefore, what's it say? Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that, what's the result? So that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And so what the Apostle James, not me, James, what the Apostle James is saying here is that it's confession and prayer. It's confession in our prayers that brings healing, both physically and spiritually. Confession frees us from the burdens of sin that we carry and removes God's ability uh, to work in our lives. Removes God's inability, I should say, to work in our life. It frees him to work in and through us. And so let's learn. Let's learn to confess our sins to the Lord. Let's be people who do that. But also, let's learn uh, to, to confess to one another. Certainly be discerning about how you do that and who you do that with, but we need to practice. We need to learn not to just, sure, primarily we need to confess to the Lord, but also to follow the scriptures, to confess to one another, because when we do that, when we do that, God can and will move. He will, he promises, he promises that he will answer the prayers of the righteous. I want to close with this. Uh, a man named William Newton Blair. Okay? William Newton Blair. He wrote something titled uh, Calling to Remembrance. Okay? Calling to Remembrance. And in this, um, he, he talks about the revivals that took place here in Korea on this peninsula. Uh, where God was just doing uh, incredible things. Uh, it's really worth your time, by the way, especially if you... If you live in Korea, uh, if, if, or if, especially if you're Korean, you need to know what God has done here. Um, but if, even if you're here and you're not Korean and you're invested in Korea, maybe even if you're here just a year, but especially if you've been here for a long time and plan to be here, it's worth your time to read about what God did here if you haven't already done that already. Uh, but this is what he said, William Blair, what he said about Korea. And I believe... Um, what he's talking about here is in reference to the Pyongyang revival, okay? Uh, where there was just, um, it, that just time, it was marked by deep confession of sin, uh, the sins of the nations for the, for the past histories, not just individual, but it was collective. You see that if you read the accounts. Deep confession of sin. There were miracles, all sorts of miracles taking place there. Um, and just countless people uh, Believing the gospel, being saved. And this is what he writes. He says this. We may have our theories of the desirability or undesirability of public confession of sin. I have mine. But I know that when the Spirit of God falls upon guilty souls, there will be confession. Listen. And no power on earth can stop it. You see, God is looking for people who understand who he is. 
And then as a result of that understanding, he's looking for people who are bent low, humble, who go to him in prayer. He's looking for people who confess and acknowledge their sin. If we're going to see God work and move in our midst, you and I need to be people of prayer. We need to be spending our time in humble prayer before the Lord. As a family, we need to prioritize praying together and praying for one another, confessing our sins to one another. And if we can do that, if we can do that truly and sincerely, there is no power on this earth that can stop us. God moves and works in and through the lives of people who are humble, broken, and in that state, go to him in prayer. And so, so, let's pray with grateful hearts today, tomorrow, this week, through the season of 21 Days of Prayer. Let's pray with grateful hearts forever because we have permission to go to God, not because of who we are or anything that we have done, but because of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who went to the cross in our place, who rose from the grave victorious, defeating sin, Satan, and death so that we can have a relationship with God so that we can pray to the Lord, so that we can be in his presence. Let's pray together, Freedom Village Church family. Let's pray as if God listens and answers, because he does. Let's be people of prayer. Amen? Let me pray for us.